Get yourself some sandbags or some weight vests or some cool fitness apparel at freedomstrength.us. Go to freedomstrength.us. When you make your purchase, use the discount code SMN10 to receive your discount. Um, so I listened to the one where you covered, um, uh, kind of a touchy subject, but you talked about like trans athletes and, um, right. I think it's important for different, if you're a coach, you should have talking points and start developing a consciousness on what's currently going on with like, uh, health and fitness. You know, yeah. we always, we, we refer to it as fitness. But if you're not if you're not fit in the head, you're fucked. <laughs> you know, you can be as you're, be as you're not healthy. As you want. You're not healthy, um, yeah. and your gains aren't loyal. <laughs> I like to, I love to say that one. Your gains but aren't what? Say that again. Loyal, 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 loyal. Your gains are not loyal. Yeah, you ever uh, met somebody who worked out kind of in an unholistic way, and then they got hurt? Yeah. And then what happened to their gains? Oh, they were gone, man. Not They're loyal. As, as loyal as a Saturday night fling, baby. <laughs> you're you know? right. Yes. So yes. It, you know, but I think if you're in a healthy mind state, um, that helps defend you against further injury, right? Yeah, you got injured. You got hurt. You hurt your leg. You hurt your elbow. Whatever. Whatever. Uh, but the healthy mind state helps you heal. Yeah. Got to be. Got to be fit in a circle. Yeah. I think it's also good to talk about the, you know, the current issues going on. I mean, we have to stay updated on this stuff. There's there's a purging of ignorance that occurs when we have real discussions with each other. Um, if you're open minded mm -hmm. and and you you know try to keep your opinions at least at bay somewhat. Of course, everybody likes to state their their point and mm -hmm. get it across, but. I mean, we're, are we living in a world now where us as coaches are going to be working with trans athletes and things like that? And, um, you know, you, you can't just build one opinion and then say, that's it and plant your flag on it. And it's good mm -hmm. to have conversations with people, even if they're sometimes a little uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Well, I think you should have, if you want to get better at something, you got to practice. No. But we're we're afraid to have a talk, knowing that this isn't my final opinion. This is just as up to where I'm practiced at. But you do need to talk about these things. So so I've enjoyed practicing talking about the future. <laughs> oh, you're actually making that a point in your day to day practice. Well, it always has been a point. Okay, it, yeah. It's never it's never something that your parents didn't grow up with. My parents, my grandparents didn't grow up with. Um, to quote Sublime, they have the yeah. song called Jailhouse, and it's about um, you can't fight against the youth. But I remember being a kid and going, "What the fuck's wrong with these adults?" Yeah. But history didn't repeat itself. Like the kids today aren't going. Why don't you understand us? You know, this isn't. Um... Look, I'm older than Google, motherfucker. You know, I'm yeah. proud to say that. Some people are older than the internet. Yes. But we're in like a new generation of AI. 
Right. And and so, you know, you can't fight against the you can't you can fight against the youth. You can plant your flag and you have the right to do that. And I respect people who firmly plant their flag even against the tide or with the tide. I recognize that as a bad motherfucker. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate somebody who takes a stand and is like, I'm with it or I'm against it. And it is hard to have conversations with those people because I do. I'd like to have. Um, I'm still learning, man. Yeah. You know, so well, so uh, I like to talk to those people and understand uh, a little bit about where they're coming from. But it does hit a point where uh, people get angry. They're too quick to anger. And it's yeah. really hard to be right. on somebody's side who's so angry. Yeah, it's it's like, lack of open mindedness, I believe. I mean, I get it. Things are going to touch people off, and but then once you get touched off, you get angry. That wall or that opening closes, and um, now you're unreachable for further information, at least until you cool off and think about it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing is you do cool off. Yeah. And you can have some regret in that cooling off moment. Like, yeah. man, I, at the moment, you're like, I really stuck it to those motherfuckers. <laughs> Right. And then later on, you get in your car and you're like, damn, we used to be friends. Yeah. Right. Oh, shit. I guess we're not friends anymore. Uh, oh, you know, what about bad. like, what about like old school tough guys who, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes they, their egos kind of like, but they butt heads, they have a big fight. But then the next day you see them out like having a beer again together. And they're just like, ah, we're just dudes. That's the way it goes. Remember those guys? Remember when it was like that? Man, I loved it. I didn't realize how much I loved it. You know, at the time, I think, think I was maybe against like the tough macho guys who wanted to fight about it. But well, it's a really good way. Well, and when I say fight, I mean all all the levities of fighting, physical oh, okay. or just like emotionally or yeah. you know whatever. Yeah, but, I think what I mean is is like people like were quick to forget, right? Kind of yeah. like there's a lot of similarities between us you know like mm. hey you know what i i had a moment there but you know what you had a moment once too and you know Man. what i'm gonna i'm gonna forget about your moment you forget about my moment let's think about the future together yeah the uh act of healing yeah like not just yourself but your friendship like um i have a friend um who's just super into uh he needs his guns like, okay, I'm a gun owner. I live in Texas. All right. So first and foremost, uh, I'm a gun owner. Okay. Uh, but I, you know, he's just, he's like, I'm, you know, we're in a chat. There's like eight of us. He's like, Hey, I bought that hundred round clip for you. Biden's going to take our guns. <laughs> and I'm not for me, but for another one of my friends, my other friends like, Oh man, we got to get all these other things before Biden makes them illegal. And I was like, man, you guys are, I didn't realize how gun nut you dudes were. And so they're my friends. I want to talk to them about it. And I just said, you know, um, where's the stopping point? Like, I understand we have guns to fight against whatever. And, uh, but when's, where's your limit? Like if we had, this is a stupid conversation. If we had leg, laser guns, would you feel okay? Like if the 18 year old could buy them? Yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. You should be able to. You should be able to buy laser guns. I'm like, okay. Um, what about like this is stupid, but what about like a tank? 
yeah, there's people who collect tanks. There's guys who could. But what I found out in talking to my friends who make really good sense and really good talking points, who I respect, is they didn't have a, a governor. It was okay for, and these are what you call extremists. Uh, there was no limit. Uh, there was no boundary on the armaments that they could armaments. Did I say that right? That they could have. And uh, I just feel a little bit differently. I feel like we should have a stopping point. There should be a point where we say um, enough. All right. I remember being a kid and I have raised a kid. And there's this moment and everybody can relate to it. You're walking with your parents. You're at the mall. Okay. Maybe not the mall because they don't have them so much now but you're walking with your parents you're very young you typically you walk side by side uh holding hands and then as you get a little a little older you don't want to hold hands anymore because you want to jump in puddles you want to be a kid and matter of fact you want to distance yourself from your parents so you walk a couple steps in front of them and i remember being a little kid and being like two steps and i'm like if i take one more step away from my parents my parents are going to say gone too far but I never stopped testing that boundary. I always, every day, I got three steps. Next day, I went four steps away from my parents. Next day, five steps. But there, I think there should be somebody who says, okay, enough. Good. You've enjoyed your freedom, but you've taken it too far. There's, it is possible. I live in this realm of thinking. It is possible to take your freedom too far. And I'm a yeah. free motherfucker. But I do recognize um, things are changing, man. So you can, it's kind of like you're only allowed so many steps, but you know, like four generations from now, those four steps aren't even going to be in the consciousness of uh, the kid growing up. He's going to start with four steps away or five steps separated. And of course, using that as a metaphor for all things. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm gentle in my approach of understanding, but I do understand that there should probably be a place where you have to admit you've gone too far. And uh, until I think until we do that, it's going to be very difficult um, to have like a, a shake hands agreement. I think if we all agree that somebody could go too far, um, you know, uh, and there's a lot of subjects that I guess we could get into where people have gone too far, but I've gone too far. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with you. And I think, I think that's a, a good place to meet people um, mm. if, if they've been insulted or something like that or, you know, if somebody took something a little too far, instead of saying, hey, I'm not friends with you anymore or, hey, you have to come over here and kneel down before me and apologize, can you just at least say you maybe went a little too far? Yeah, you're right. I did go a little too far. All right, bro hug. Yeah, but if you can't do that in the moment, right? It's very hard, like, right. when you're having the debate. Yeah. I've never seen, like, the red guy go over to the blue guy and be like, you know what? You were right, man. We went too far. It's actually the art of going too far whenever you watch the red versus the blue, you know? Uh, and I know I mentioned this uh, previously, but it's good to have two sides who argue because they give you a choice if we had – one side who are two sides who agreed and we wouldn't have a choice. And so whenever I get into a, a conversation that challenges me, like, is this good? Is this what we want? And, you know, and if, if I don't agree, there are all these other countries I can move to. You know, if I, if I didn't support what we were doing and the freedoms that we had, like I, I would love go, to know your number one country you would go to Australia Unless immediately. Uh, Australia really? overnight. Yes. Why? 
Did you know they had a mass shooting? I think so. Just old recently, news. right? No, old news. Oh, oh no. Really no, no. old news. Yeah, it's like 26 years ago. Uh guy did a mass shooting assault rifle. It was horrible. And they took away all the all the guns. Yes, I know they took and, away their guns. Yeah. And and you can, you know, have one if you're a farmer or you're a hunter or you've filled out all the proper paperwork and um nobody's invaded them. Nobody's attacked them. They did the thing that like when your kids are fighting over the Legos, what do you do? Take away the fucking Legos. You guys can't play with the Legos. Kids are hitting each other with sticks outside. Take away the sticks. And so um, as problems have uh, showed up on their shores, I think they've done a really, really good job of taking care of the problem, not talking about it, understanding that some people are going to be offended. But um, that's, that would be my choice. Plus, it's a giant island with yeah. a bunch of bugs that will kill you, which help helps narrow the stupid people <laughs> <laughs> self-selection are you know uh the uh, hey, kangaroos will mess you up too well i could see a lot you of things out there i could see you out there going toe-to-toe -to -toe with a kangaroo thank you uh, respect welcome. thank you for recognizing my gangster <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would i would uh i remember seeing kangaroos with boxing gloves on growing up um, I would never petition to fight a kangaroo. I think that would be a bad fight for me. I'm not in my fighting years anymore. I'm in my vocal years, apparently, now. I'm sure <laughs> a lot of people will put money on you, Leah. Well, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, Australia, I would go for it. Um, uh, I'm not against guns, but I just, I thought, hey, that was a really clever way of fixing the issue. You know, there's too many kangaroos out there. You're allowed to kill kangaroos. That's just as easy as it is. There's a problem. Let's Let's create a, a way to solve it. I haven't seen any protests in the street against the government. I haven't seen any riots at the at the like president's house. I haven't seen any um, huge problems with um, – it's a lot easier to police borders when you don't have them. <laughs> you know, so it seems like a lot of the problems that we have, um, uh, they don't have, you know, and some of it's common sense things and – it's funny, though, I'm going to say this, and like I guess I'm not against guns, but uh, let me ask you a question. Now, I warn you, it's a baited question. So I expect I know what the answer is going to be. Have we, as Americans, lost our goddamn minds? Oh, definitely. Okay. <laughs> Do you know that we've got about two or three guns per person? And we will agree that America has lost its mind. We have no way to communicate. People are out of their fucking rockers, but we want everybody to have guns. I think it's why I think it's wild. I mm. think it's and I live in Texas, man. I'm a gun owner. You yeah. know, if they came and said, "Give me your gun," I, I probably I would hide it. I would hide it. I would hide the motherfucker. I think the time is going to be coming. Uh, maybe in a year from now, we'll probably see uh, something. Uh, maybe a weakening of the Second Amendment or. I you think see the twenty eighth amendment opposed or proposed by the Cal Newsom California guy. No, he's like trying to do a no assault rifle thing. You got to be twenty one to buy a gun. You know stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I think there should be a way for people to buy assault rifles, and 
massive clips and lasers, you know, and the, like infrared. I think you should be able to buy them. I'm, you know, how cool it is to build a gun. I never like, built one, but I'm sure it's custom cool. grip, custom clip, like sending your your like receiver to go get laser etched with cool skulls on it. You know, oh, Call yeah. of Duty site. You know, yeah. Um, you know, uh, with all that said, though, if somebody broke into my house, I would have to use a mace. You have to. I mean, because it would hit the news headlines like Leo Savage house got invaded and he repelled the intruder with his with his mace. And actually, actually, it would say killed. I didn't say I didn't know how far you want to go. No, no, no. I would. If you come into my house, I will mace you until you're dead. OK, right? probably That's one solid shot. And that that guy is done. Right. Yeah, I would use at least three or four. Because I've got this mace flow combat combo I'm working on. I would want to chain that together like Eddie Gordo from Tekken. So you're how you're, funny. How funny. I'm a gun owner saying we have a gun problem. Yeah. And if somebody entered my house, I'd use a mace. Right. What's wrong with it? What's wrong with me? This is what's wrong with America. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's I know you probably sleep with your mace like the rest of us do, and you're not allowed to have your gun out of a uh, out of a locker. So which which is easier to get to? You're right, man. We have our uh, pistola in a safe, you know, so the, our firearms are a little bit less accessible. I, I'm in a relationship, thank God. Got a woman, and nice. uh, God damn. Does she spin mace? No. Fuck no. Does she does she think you're crazy for spinning mace? Yeah. That's what yeah. she did to me. All right. Yeah. Just like yeah, the rest of us. Yeah, she's she's like, you know, that's your thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it that it's not her thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think what I do or who I am is at all sane <laughs> or normal. Uh, and God bless for that. Amen. I remember right. growing up and wanting to be this guy, you know, nothing. There were some speed bumps on the road, but I, I ended up being me. So so what does uh, she say when she sees like one of your primo flows, you know, like to the music and you're just in your zone moving well? What does she say when she witnesses that? Um, yeah, so Ashley uh does like what i do she thinks it's pretty she feels it um she's not obsessed with my work she's not a mace head and so i don't get critiques but i can think of uh one time that she commented on my mace work this is when i was courting her okay i want to i was like fashion term courting courting yeah courting a woman yeah <laughs> weird and uh so i'm courting her in a modern language old school what do you do write some poetry send them a love you know some flowers this is new school i, I sent her a video of me with my shirt off and my short shorts swinging <laughs> a mace you mean get out of here that's how I are you serious everybody. you did that fuck yeah all right all right well here's the deal if you're gonna get on the ride they tell you it's dangerous you can look at it Oh, God, they're going to strap me in. They're going to do all this shit with me. There's warning signs. All right? You want people to know up front that you're going on an experience. I don't want to. I'm not a player. Okay? This is how I am. This is me. Uh, but I remember her saying, like, 
she's not in here. She said, <laughs> she, just, she said, you might be cooler than me. That's oh. all she said. That's all she said. And I was like, I don't know. You, you're pretty cool. But it worked out, you know. So, but according to woman, bro, yeah, taught me a lot about becoming a man. Taught me a lot, you know, uh, as man and woman are so different or can be so different that um, you feel in holes for each other. And and so uh, being around a woman uh, like this morning, uh, I put some sealant on our uh, uh, some caulking. <laughs> I was caulking the shower. <laughs> <laughs> OK. This and so that's like that's like a hole that. I get to feel in our relationship. Um, of course, she can do it and she's capable, but it's kind of like a man's duty. Like I'm a blonde this morning and, you know, um, Ashley spent some time cleaning the house, which is a hole that I have that I'm not. Cleaning for me is like. Clean, <laughs> you know. I'm just, yeah. Yeah, you know. I'm and, the same uh, way, man. I'm the and, same way. But I Ash think my shirt has dirt on it right now. Ashley, the way Ashley cleans is um, very thorough, and so you know we we get to um, feel for each other in other areas that that um, maybe we're not as strong in. So it's great to have a partner who's very different from you. Yeah. Um, I thought about this. It's like, what would it be like to be in a relationship? Like, okay, so I say this smart-ass thing in my head. Like, uh, I might get in trouble, but who cares? I've, I've been in trouble before. Well, you're on the spot on camera, so whatever you say can't be held against you. Uh, absolutely. Besides, this is all a deep fake. We all know that. <laughs> right. It's AI. I'm grilling a steak, right? Grilling a steak, doing some man stuff. And I said gotta be real nice to have a man around the house ashley's car had some problems bro i'm in there you know ordering parts you know like uh fast and the furious movie you know overnight part from japan get the car fixed ashley walks out there she can't believe it she's like you can't believe you got it working yeah got it working and i thought to myself yeah it's gotta be nice to have a man air conditioner went out on her car fixed it and I said to myself, God, it's got to be nice to have a man around that. Good job, man. Uh, fixing cars nowadays is almost out of the question for people. The fact that you yeah, can you, fix anything is, is pretty uh, good. Just jump on YouTube, man. There's way smarter people on YouTube than are working at the shops. That's and true. their currency is a like and a subscribe. You don't have to pay them, but they'll give you the best information they have 100% for free. And if it's too much for you to handle, you can always take this somewhere with the dialect on how what you know and how far you've gone. Um, and so you don't need to be the smartest guy in the world. Just follow some guide, and and there you are. Smart you enough know, to follow the smart people. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and point out the ones who you shouldn't be following. Uh, but yeah, as nice as it would be to have a man around the house, I wouldn't have it any other way, man. I love having my woman around the house. She helps keep me grounded. Uh, and uh, not to say you need a woman to do that, but uh, it is great to have a partner who um, can see me from the outside and help me in places that I'm blindsided by. Yeah, well, I've heard some pretty deep discussions about you know relationships, and, and on this note, I could offer up something that I heard uh, 
nothing that I ever thought of, but I think this is true. Um, men, you know, they're designed to do what men do. And um, a woman grounds a man, his, his uh, ability for warlike violence changes, right? It goes from being a savage, pardon the pun, to a, uh, a, a man who is capable of protecting his woman. And it becomes a very grounding, you realize your potential, right? You're not mm -hmm. just this person who's going to go out and just do random violence, but you're capable of it. But then you know that to do it is going to possibly hurt people around you anyway. So you, then you learn to articulate to people better your position in protecting your, your loved ones, right? And finding Absolutely. other ways... And that's such a deep thing. And I think only, I think it's true. Only you could get that from having a partnership with a woman. You know, um, it's interesting what uh, woman is more of a so social construct with the youth. I see it a different way. Um, I think of sex as the way that I was taught in science, but I'm still learning. But what I do recognize is somebody uh, can very much feel like a woman and act like a woman. And so it does go into the conversation of um, you can have a softer man and you can have a harder man and you can have the hunter and you can have the gatherer. Mm. And um, he can feel that, uh, what we're talking about, for another man or woman for woman. And so I do understand when people are saying that they identify as a certain way, or at least I can understand a person enough to say, yeah, you know, this is how you feel. And uh, it hasn't always been like that. It was very difficult um, getting into this new conversation of uh, what man and what woman is because I've only practiced this conversation one way for 40 fucking years. I'm 42. Yeah. But for 40 years, this was one way. Yeah. And the last couple of years, things have gotten uh, different. And so initially when I got into my first conversations, it was hard for me to like um, – to see their point or to see somebody's point. And so now I, I see the point louder and clearer. And um, I still have my, I'm just, I still have my moment where I'm like too far, you know, like that there's some stuff that I won't do. Yes. Like uh, I can't shop at Target anymore. Because of all that nonsense that went on. Yeah. Well, the stand that they took. Um, yeah. Providing tough uh, swimming suits for youth. I, I, strongly disagree with yeah uh, one thing that's in my moral compass is i don't think you should sexualize the youth and i am so happy to say it and uh yeah, i don't care i don't it. i don't care what anybody's agenda is and uh i you know there's no hate in this heart okay yeah. there's nothing but love in this heart uh i will shake your hands kiss you hug you help you out teach you how to swing a mace with the best of my ability no matter well i don't want to say no matter who you are <laughs> But, um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. I, I think uh, I think it's a touchy subject, but we have to practice talking about it. And um, it's okay if you don't know how to answer the question now. I just right. saw this thing, Matt Walsh's What is a Woman? Have you seen yeah. this thing? Yeah, yeah, that was incredible. Did you watch the whole thing? Watch the whole thing. That God bless uh, Twitter, and I am such a fanboy of Elon Musk for buying the platform so he could have civil discourse yeah. on both sides. And I, but I did remember, um, like everybody got upset at Matt Walsh. Yeah, 
or asking the question. And honestly, I just think they need more practice being asked, what is a woman? And however they define a woman based on their thing, they don't have to fight. Okay. There's this thing called agree to disagree. You yeah. know, have you ever been in a conversation and you're like fucking cowboys and you're like, no, the Redskins, you know, they're the best football teams. And then you, what do you do? You say, fuck you. We're not friends. You know, <laughs> you're not invited to the barbecue anymore. No, you agree to disagree when the fucking cowboys win, you go shove it down the throat of the other, you know, the other team and they do the same thing and it's fun. Yeah. Right. You know? Or, or you look for a tactful way out. You say, well, look, you like your team. I like my team. Looking at how they're both playing, neither one of them is making it to the Super Bowl. So we might as well both shut the fuck up and then just high five. Yeah. Who should we? Who should we hate on? Okay. <laughs> right. Oh wait, are the Redskins a football team anymore? Or are they lost their name? Uh, I lost track of all that. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm sure. I think I know. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, the Braves? Did the Braves change their name? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't. I, I think all that stuff like happened. Like, 15 years ago. You know, but this is also um, like I remember uh, growing up. I was in sports. Do you know the type of hate speech? And I'm using hate speech as this familiar term. But do you know how many times I heard derogatory gay comments or racial comments on the sports team? Racial? No, yeah. Like, even just a minute, uh, I thought you were Latino. I thought you could run from the cops. Okay, yes, yes. You know? Yes, I like, know what you're talking about. Did you see that black guy? He had a huge dick. Yeah. yeah you know, there was just, yeah. You know, you just, there was shit like that, that happened. And so it was part of my language. I play video games. When I play video games, it's part of gaming in the early years to call somebody who couldn't play a derogatory word. And sometimes those words were homophobic or whatever. Use your imagination. Yeah. Uh, and I participated. I called people when I played video games before I was equipped mentally gay or the F word. Okay. And I was very proud once I learned uh, a lot more about myself to remove hate speech from my vocabulary. Like, think about that. Like, I don't know if you had that moment, but I but I was so proud to play a game and not use hate speech, uh, even though it had been part of how we played since we were kids. I'm not condoning it. Just saying I was so happy to take hate speech uh, away from uh, away from me. Feels good. How old Matter were you when you did that? Um, Maybe 10 years ago, man. Oh, okay. I mean, I haven't, I haven't participated in a long time. Yeah. And so now that we're getting into this new um, episode, this new chapter, bro, I gotta, if there's hate speech out there, I don't want it in my life. Yeah. Like, wait, I cannot say a few words. I can take a couple words out of my vocabulary and it can make you happier. Awesome. I got gay bash for years, you know, doing the still makes flow thing. I know what it's like to, have somebody attack what people deem your sexual orientation is or how you move or right. Uh, right. It's so, so I'm familiar. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's not comfortable. Not, of course I don't want anybody else to feel like that. Um, growing up, I was the whitest guy in my family. Okay. 
Um, I was never brown enough growing up. When I went to school, I was never white enough. All right. So there was a whole, this wasn't something that I just grew up with wanting to be accepted, accepted. I mean, I, this is something I grew up with. This is just something that happened 10 years ago, but I'm looking forward to learning about, um, the new construct and getting rid of hate speech, but also asking for some civil discourse and saying like, okay, well, where's too far? Because when we can both agree that there's a point that where you can go too far, uh, then I think we can start to patch it up and um, appreciate each other. And this is something that has happened time over time. But you know what I noticed is like one big issue. Like if we have another big issue, it tends to simmer down the fire on the other ones. Like yeah. uh, when I was growing up, if you were gay, that was an issue. Now nobody gives a fuck. Right, right. You could see how much it's changed. Uh, you're right. Nobody, nobody cares, man. Nobody cares. In and fact, then, what so we're saying. Go yeah, ahead. go ahead. Where, where are we going to be? Saying, <laughs> right well, now. Well, 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 <laughs> I'll let it go. <laughs> no, I go. So uh, now everybody says, I don't care about your sexuality. Just don't shove it down my kid's throat. So that's the new. Which argument. is. Um, you got a gay man and a gay woman. I'm still learning about this, and I appreciate the practice in talking about this, acknowledging I'm probably wrong and probably right. Mm, yeah, I like that. Yeah. But here's what I know: is like you got uh, some time ago, we decided that gay men and gay women have children, like adopt, like a father, double father, and so how are they not supposed to teach? sexual education to their kids well okay it's in it's in the privacy of their own home but we still have to acknowledge that the kids need some type of education and so i understand why the schools are offering education because in 10 years 20 years two generations down the line there'll be uh people who have transitioned who father parents or who father kids yeah. and are they not supposed to talk to the, are they not going to talk to their kids Right. Are their kids not going to experience their lives and share the information that they've gathered with other kids? And so it's impossible to not have the youth involved. Like, hey, you got to keep our kids out of this. No, you fucking idiot. If you don't want to get hit by the rock, you got to teach them. You got to look at the problem. Okay. You got you to equip your kids to deal with it. Yeah. yeah, the school is doing what they've always done. They've always taught sexual education. They've gotten a little radical in a lot of places, forcing parents to use pronouns, taking kids into the doctors and getting them uh, affirming care when, you know, they're not old enough to join the military, vote. Smoke cigarettes. Uh, according right. to uh, all studies, you need to be in your upper 20s before you're fully developed. Yeah. Um, and, but, uh, let me just blow the fucking wheels off of everything. This is where the big conclusion was for me, and it's stupid, but it makes sense to me. It's real dumb, though. You know, go to sleepymonkeytrainingacademy.com to turn your pain into power. Uh, the only thing that's non-binary is like, like, I would say a computer. It's non-binary. It's not man. It's not woman. And so AI, the first AI being will be what? Man or woman or non-binary? I guess non-binary. Okay. 
And so in the future, with the way things are headed, uh, you know, Elon Musk has got his brain chip going on. There's going to be a world where we're plugged into a computer. All of us, the future. And I think once you leave your body and you go into this computer chipped world, the metaverse, which is, you know, kind of far out there, but it's in our future. I think there'll be a point where people are sentient beings and non-binary, neither man nor woman. And I know that that's like science fiction far out there, but I don't think it's too far from the truth if we keep down uh, our rate of uh, education, evolution, and um, scientific study. Maybe the AI's doing it to us now. They're already out. I think so. And they're I like, let's, let's program everybody to accept us. Yeah. Very subtly, very softly, very incrementally, right? Let me ask you, if the uh, AI came to life right now and there was an AI being, there would be some people who say, kill it. Yeah. And then there would be some people who said, no, it's a... Uh, it's a being. It's, it's a sentient. being. Yeah. We can't do it. And those would be the same people advocating now. It's that same train of thought. And especially uh, if you had the chance to join the league of the never dying infinite thinking AI super system, which I'm all for. If I'm on my deathbed and they're like, Leo, we can plug you into the metaverse. Plug me in. I'm good at games. <laughs> Put me in the thing. <laughs> you know, and then... um. There's a famous guy, Alan Watts. He has yeah. this speech where he talks about, let's just say for a second, you could live as many lives as you wanted. You can't tell me that if you were infinite, you wouldn't be a female or something different than At what some you are point, now. Right, yeah. At some point, if you're infinite, it's all, it's all, it's different. Well, yeah. Well, oh, you said the word infinite. I mean, infinite in of itself is mind-boggling if you really think about it. So if if mm. it's infinite, then you are now in your present what you were in your past as you are too in your future well, all at the same time, aren't you? Well, you're all of it. We are all one. Right. We are all, we're all integrated and plugged in. Yeah, so Alan Watts is, is always talking about that elevated state of consciousness where we all are – piece of that consciousness right we're just we're just viewing through our our own eyes what is actually a universal thing happening for everybody right mm. well yeah i mean i think we're all in our own worlds i mean it's very apparent yeah if you have a talk to somebody and you're like what's what's this guy talking about yeah uh, we're all in the are, center of the universe you are, in are the center of your universe accidentally I'm rude not because they want to be rude, but right. they're just living in their own world. I'm walking. I've got to get from point A to point B. I live in New York. I'm being rude because I don't mean to, but I've got to get there. I don't have time to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> Wild beginning of a conversation. Yeah. That's what, do we, a, what do we do about it? What do we do? Well, um, to sum up everything we just talked about, if you're worried about your kids, you got to be a parent and talk to your kids. And and give them, you know, what you want them to know. And then you have to be a good parent and stay with them. Um, for the rest of things, I don't think uh, we're ever going to change the course of humankind just by, you know, um, 
blogging about it or putting up memes, you know, people really have to be involved consciously in life. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know about it. Yeah. I think think talking about it is a great first step. Yeah. Second step, not getting pissed off. Yeah. That's it. I think if you could do those two things, you could do a lot about it. Listen, if I didn't want to live in America, I'd move. If I didn't want my kids to go to public schools, homeschool. We've literally all been trained on how to be a home. There's systems set up in place since the COVID thing where you can be a very efficient home parent, teach your kids uh, from home. But yeah, you can definitely take active steps if you don't like something. But at the end of the day, did you do what your parents wanted 100% of the time, 90% of the time, 80% of the time? Nope. 30% 30% of the time, I don't even know if I did that. 20%, no. Maybe 10% of the time I did what my parents want. So hopefully um, you can give your kid the ability to make right and wrong decisions. And, you know, I was raised in church and that was really uh, what gave me my compass for right and wrong. Now I knew I was getting finessed in church. I knew it, but also... Um, they told me what I thought was inherently true. Like, don't sleep with your neighbor's wife. Yeah. Well, I'm too young for that one, but obviously I would never do that when I was being indoctrinated to Christianity. Don't kill. Easy. Don't steal. Okay. Uh, and then what happens if you do those things? Well, you go to hell. You know, so there was a consequence to being bad. Other than like maybe you got your ass whipped by your parents or like didn't get to go to the cool kids Sunday school field trip or something. But there was a punishment when I was growing up for going against God's will. You went to hell. And now you can go against God's will. There's so much tolerance. Everybody's love. There's no punishment. Uh, All you have to do is at the end of the day, accept God into your heart and you're good, which is kind of like a get out of jail free card. Yeah. It's like rolling your your dice on Monopoly. Like, I don't care. Psh, watch this. Forgive me. You know? Um, but, you know, so, yeah, consequences consequences important in, uh, in how you make your decisions in life. And, you know, the consequences will either be learned or, and enforced by your parents or the people who upbring you, or you'll learn them as you go on. And those happen in ways of, like, losing relationships, losing social status, Going to jail. Going to jail. Yeah. What good man hasn't gone? You ever been locked up? (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm serious. Okay. Not that I can remember, at least. I've been locked up a few times. It happened. I know a lot of people that have. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I mean, you you go to jail and you... You You learn a lesson. Consequence. Right. Yeah. Yeah, where, yeah, how long were you locked up for? Like just like overnight? Just, just kind of? a, three months. Three months? Yeah. Oh, that's a long time for I mean, that was that right out of the gate, like, or did you have like shorter ones before that? Had a couple shorter ones, like okay. I didn't pay a ticket and I got like, you know, like, we'll arrest you if you don't pay your ticket. Like I found out how much a bent warrant costs in Roswell, New Mexico, because they got me a few times. But I get a ticket and I'm like, I don't fucking care. Man, that sounds like cowboy shit right there. What you just Bro, I mean, I had a no, uh, no like registration. 
Oh, like yeah. I had registration, but I didn't have registrations. I had like a $50 ticket. And I just was like, fuck it. What am I gonna, what are they gonna do? And then I'm driving one day, Saturday night, cruising. And uh the police officer that was at my high school, I'm at a high school at the time, but the police officer at my high school knew me. And so he fucking pulls me over. He's like, bro, you got a warrant, bench warrant. Fucking <laughs> locks me up. He's like, bro, I never ah. thought you'd be getting arrested. And, I was and like, he knew you. Yeah, he yeah that's why he that's why he pulled me over. Ah. Because he knew me. He wanted to get the collar. And right. so, like, I, you know, I did like a a thing. You know, I stayed in there for like a weekend or something. It was on a Friday or something. And then I got pulled over on a bogus DWI charge and had to stay a week. Uh, you know, trying to figure that out. Or no, three days. And um, and then, yeah, I had the big one. Violence. Fighting. Oof. Oh, wow. And you did three months for, for fighting. Yeah, well, um, posting bonds a motherfucker. Ah. Posting bail. Yeah. You know, you, you got to guilt. It's weird. Uh, you're assumed innocent until proven guilty, but we lock you up. Yeah. Which is not what you do with innocent people. Um, well, they want money. I did find out that there was some money involved. and um, But everything did work out, and I learned some lessons. Uh, I was very thankful to be uh, capable of committing violence. <laughs> I thought when I got into um, my little lockup situation, as long as none of these guys know me, I'm going to do fine. So at the time, I was a professional uh, athlete. I was fighting. I was known around town. Uh, I've been a, I was that kid who was a black belt when he was 13. Yeah. Everybody knew, like, there was a there was a certain awareness of me. But first day I walk in, like you go into a holding cell and they make sure you're detoxed. And you I spent three days with this guy who was coming down off some drugs and uh talk about uncomfortable. It's just like being at home though. I got to tell you, it reminded me of my childhood. And um uh, I walk into like the general population and this kid Chris, he's my neighbor. It's like, that's Leo, he's a fucking fighter. He's a fucking guy. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Blew your cup. Yeah. So now everybody wants to, to get a piece of Leo. It took, literally, it took literally 10, se 10, 20 seconds that I got in there before this guy, whom everybody called Sunshine, asked me to fight. Ugh. Took all of 10, 10, 20 seconds. I still had my bag. I had a bed. I'm like walking in there and uh, Sunshine. They called him Sunshine because he looked like a character from Remember the Titans. Um, real good football movie. Oh, but yes. there was a guy named Sunshine yeah. in the film. And he practiced Tai Chi and did karate football in the film. But anyways, this guy, he invited me to go to the bathroom with him and have a fight. No, he asked you to go to the bathroom to fight. That's where you fought. That's, there was no cameras there. You couldn't see. Right. That was where the... Uh, this is like a freaking nightmare for some people. This is what keeps people from doing crimes. Now, what did you say to him? How did you get out of this? Because you can't just you can't there's be a, a punk. There's right? a couple things you yeah. There's a couple things you can do, um, but all of them told me good. We'll get this guy taken care of. Everybody will leave me alone. And that was that. So there was a taking care of. Yep. Oh. Wow. I, I developed quite a name for myself because I had a reputation going in. 
I didn't blink when Sunshine wanted to fight. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I'm combination skin. I'm fair I'm, and dark. <laughs> and so uh, Sunshine was one of the white guys. And so uh, he wanted to fight me. And so it made it difficult for me to like, where do I stay? Do I stay with the brothers? Oh, no. my gosh. Do I stay with the Latinos? I don't know. I'm not, I don't speak Spanish. And I'm not, honestly, I'm not dark enough and associated enough uh, to maybe do okay there. And so <laughs> Sunshine ends up being underneath me in my bunk bed. So oh, after I beat God. him up, the, uh, the, uh, the white boys, the Peckerwoods, were like, uh, hey, bro, we got you a bunk. I was like, okay, cool. And then we were, I'll tell you a little bit more. Can I tell you a little bit more? Such a <laughs> yeah, this story. is fascinating. We get this guy that comes in like three in the morning. And he's, 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 meth. I'm saying he's on some uppers, meth maybe. And uh, it's three in the morning. He won't stop. He's just like, blah, blah. He won't stop talking. Sunshine calls him the N-word, hard R. We're trying to sleep, you effing in. The whole dorm just goes quiet. You hear flip-flops, and you know that the guy's walking over. He punches Sunshine while he's laying down. And it was bad. He hit him super hard. The guy's head hit the metal frame. Oof. Blood everywhere. The place smelled like pennies. It's three in the morning. The guards literally don't give a fuck. And later on that day, uh, everybody got bad sleep. So all of the three pods, they put their playing cards together. It was so weird, man. It was like the head of the groups all got together and they're like, hey, fuck this guy. And so they're like, all right, we're going to give you our playing cards. So three decks of playing cards in a sock oh. makes quite a weapon. Yes, I heard of this. So, so all the guys put their cards in the socks and they were like, it was a big deal because you know you're going to lose your cards. You know, so like the Latinos, like we're gonna lose our cars, but fuck that. And even the brothers gave their deck of cards because they were upset with this guy. They didn't get to sleep anyways. So he takes the cards, he starts fighting this guy. He sometimes beats the shit out of this guy. Dude, they're fighting for 20, 30 minutes. There's oh. blood everywhere. There's blood everywhere. And I'm like, the guards gotta do something about this. They have to do something about this. The guy ends up, uh, the new guy who's fighting Sunshine, he's beat up, his tooth's knocked out, his nose is broke, he's cut everywhere, Sunshine looks just as bad, he's cut from the night before. The guy walks over to the commons table and he picks up a pencil to go stab Sunshine. And everything in me told me not to do something, but I did. I rushed the guy as hard as I could, and I pushed him with, the fear you have in you when somebody brought a knife to the fight. I pushed him as hard as I fucking could with all my athletic paralysis into a bunk bed that's made out of steel. They're not going anywhere. It was like a train wreck. It hurt him bad. He wanted to fight me afterwards, but he dropped the pencil. So I was happy with that. So I walk into the bathroom. He follows me in and he has a moment where he realizes it's not a good idea and he leaves. Oh, wow. Uh, next day, I get a visitor. I get called 
you know, you got a visitor. I'm like, oh, I got a visitor. And I go down and it's the sergeant. He takes me into the visiting room and he has a Coke and a bag of chips. And he's like, thank you for what you did yesterday. No shit. I was, I was like, fuck, y'all were watching the whole time. On a camera? This. Yeah, yeah. You know, or whatever they were watching. They saw me fuck him up. And, you know, not that I disarmed him, but I disarmed him. Yeah. Nobody got stabbed. And I'm having this Coke, having some fucking Doritos. And I go back and I'm like, that's crazy. And uh, I didn't really talk to anybody about it. Because after the fact, I realized, like, maybe I shouldn't have took that from the cards. Anyways, word got out, which didn't take long, that I took a Coke and a bag of chips from the screws. And so very nicely, the Packer uh, Woods, Leo, we love you. You got to check out, man, or we're going to fuck you up. Because they figured you were, like, a, maybe a rat now? Can't take it. You can't take a commissary from the screws, point blank. How, how did they find out that that happened? Bro, that place is wild, man. Like, you'll find out that a fight happened all the way across the jail. Like, in a totally another building. I don't know how word gets around. It's got to be the all you, all you can do is the look and listen. You know, that's all you're in. You're in your business. But if you hear a sound that's not familiar, if somebody does something that's not familiar, it's noticed right away. Right. Like I knew, I was like, well, why do I have a visitor? Like, this is odd. Everybody knew. Everybody knows that you got a visitor. Who is it? They're wondering, right? Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't during like a traditional time. But um, so I had to spend uh, basically not solitary, but uh, protective custody which is a lot like solitary, but with a window. I got an hour break and I stayed in my cell by myself. So did you have to ask for that? Yeah, you go push a button and then um, you tell them that uh, you're not safe, yada, yada. They have a pretty simple process of taking you out and basically punishing you. Yeah, right. You're going because you know, I'm here. I am at the playground, right. so to speak. Like I get to play cards, I get to play chess. And then, like, hey, I'm going to, like, just say, for instance, uh, I was to tell, uh, hey, this guy's got a knife. All right, you're out of here. And you have to go do that same contribution to the prison system of being by yourself for a while. This sucked, man. And how long were you in that position for? Uh, ten weeks. Oof. Ten weeks. So what'd you do? Were you allowed to read in this? Um, yeah, they had a. Uh, well, well, it was an, it wasn't solitary, but I yeah. like to to you have a couple things you can do, but you get books. I did a lot of karate, did a lot of martial arts, calisthenics. Um, yeah, you I mean you can only do you can only spend as much energy as you receive, and so you're not eating very well, and so there's only so much you there's only so much you can do. And, uh, but yeah, you think about, you know, I, while I was in the like traditional lockup, um, I thought about what I had done, but there wasn't a lot of self-reflection because I was always talking to people, always entertaining myself, other people being entertained. But when you just get 
some walls, man. You, there's nothing. There's nobody really to talk to. You can like kind of break your neck and kind of talk to the person next to you. You can hear other sounds happening, but uh, yeah, you're alone. That's wild. What about all those uh, people who were locked up by like governments and stuff and they wrote books while they were locked up in solitary and the great masterpieces almost, if that's what you, what you want to call it. But it's like, would that book have ever even happened if that person wasn't put in that, that moment where they're forced to self-reflect uh, mm -hmm. even when they didn't want to? And I guess that happened to you a lot, right? You were like just sitting there in your head, maybe wanting to get out of your head, Ugh. but you can't. Ugh. Wow, man. So, I mean, that's- It's really hard to run away from thoughts. Like- Yeah. When you're- Yeah. And I am a dark fantasy person. Um, when I think about like myself in fantasy, I'm like at war doing smashing people. Like- <laughs> This is what's you know, in your head going on. Like, yeah, it's ever since I was a little kid, I've always been a combat athlete. So, yeah, yeah, been yeah. Like kicking, punching. You know what? You know? That reminds me when I was a kid, I used to put myself to sleep at night because I was always like, a, I'm like a thinker all the time, even when I was a kid. Mm. And I would think about either uh, all out like warfare, like yeah. just bombs and soldiers, or I would think of like medieval warfare. Uh, you know, hacking through people with swords mm -hmm. and I'd go right to sleep like a baby. What is that? Yeah. What, what, I guess that's a, a, a product of like the eighties movies and stuff like that. Well, you know, it's funny as they say, whenever you meet a woman, you should check her uh, Netflix and YouTube search history. And if she doesn't have murder mysteries, then she's the wrong woman. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but you know, just as, um, as I've heard that, maybe men, the masculine side, Listen, if you don't act out your inner beast, even if it's up here, well, bro, it's going to come out. It's going to come out at the wrong time. It's going to come out. So I don't think it's any – you shouldn't be demonized for thinking masculine thoughts. Yeah. It's like um, – I, I something that trips me out is like, do you know we're – like right now we're at war, right? Like we're, we're playing uh, – uh, Battleship dicks with China, right? We're fucking driving our battleships like who's got the biggest dick right now? Yeah, our airplanes, Russia, China, we're just fucking with each other. But we're at war. Like even though we know that's happening, we're at war with ourselves. Yeah, like I'm at war on Twitter telling Call of Duty to get fucked for uh, fucking with somebody's free speech. Like I see teachers are fighting with their kids, kids who are fighting with their parents, parents are fighting with their teachers. It's this like reciprocal thing. We're literally at war, but we can't stop fighting with ourselves. You know, it's not like World War II, man. All the men are at war because that's what men do. We go fucking show up at the front line. We're doing that. What do women do? We can make shells. We're going to show up at the factories. We're at war with some other motherfuckers. Let's get together. You know, we're like, ah, fucking... At war with each other. Yeah. You know? What right. the fuck, man? Yeah, you're right, man. I think that's just our um that's who we are, at least for the next foreseeable future, right? Yeah. That is who we are. We are warriors. <laughs> so speaking of uh yeah. your 
this you get this little mace coming out and the first thing i think of i'm sorry it's called little savage and the first thing i'm thinking of when i see it is we went from battlefield mace to physical fitness mace and are you bringing us full circle back to a mace that you could actually go to war with <laughs> what a quick what a we went from one com one side of the road to the other. <laughs> <laughs> well, I stuck on the on the war side. I appreciate. Way, so yeah, it yeah. Works. I wonder how we were going to bring this back. <laughs> um, I appreciate. We could have just jumped in here and talked about some mace, but I appreciate um, having a voice and using that. And so yeah. I appreciate having the conversation we had. And I hope nobody's offended. And I hope if you're offended, you can learn how to forgive. But yes, this. What is, the uh, hell is going on here? This is yeah, great. This, so this is um, the Little Savage Mace. So I think there are 20 of these in the world right now. Uh, the other 500 will be coming in from China. Wow. Just waiting. They're bought. They're paid for. They're ordered. They're going to be on Amazon. It's going to be quick access. Um, they don't take up a lot of shelf space, so I don't know how much shipping is going to cost, but it should be the least expensive as far as shipping goes mace out there. But How yeah, much you does know, it weigh? So uh, let me give you a little backstory. Yeah, let's uh, start when from I, the beginning on this. When I first got into the mace world, um, you know, I was using a sledgehammer and I found very quickly that your hands are meant to stick to the sledgehammer so it doesn't go flying out of your hands. Um, and the same would be with the war mace. War mace, uh, just as you mentioned, was meant to hang on to your hand. Usually there was some type of leather so your hand wouldn't slip or move anywhere. And even sometimes uh, a wrist strap so the mace wouldn't leave your hands if there was too much recoil from the hidden. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yeah, we used the mace to kill people. Somewhere along the lines, there was a gata. I don't know what came first, the steel mace or the gata, but I don't think they're the same thing. I don't think they're the same thing at all. The gata was almost one purposed or two purpose. You either did 10 and twos or 360s. That's it. That's it. You didn't do battle swings, uppercuts. You didn't swing the handle. You did these moves, and that's that. So the gata used for wrestling practice, it's not really necessarily true. It's a whole system that they would use this small tool for, uh, this one part of it. But uh, the war mace, as we know it, was this functional tool of maiming, killing, hurting. And it had to be set up in a position where you could swing it with one hand because you were probably on a horse. If you were a Persian, you were probably on a horse, which would mean you'd probably need to hold on to a rein or something. But a mace should be able, you should be able to swing it with one hand. And uh, the workout mace came out some time ago on it that out what like nine years ago was uh, an amalgamation of everything that was out there it was an idea of it's barbaric like the war mace um it the gata and it do look alike but in finding out the history of the steel mace and why it was shaped like it had had absolutely zero influence from the gata zero talk to the guys dude's name's aubrey marcus and um, anyways, he made a workout mace that uh, was set up to do a whole bunch of different things. I worked out with that one and absolutely fell in love with it, specifically the 10-pound mace. Uh, 
because of the off-balance nature of it. Now, there were guys who did create some mace out there, but they were more in line, workout mace, that were more in line with being like the gata, which goes back to that one or two move principle. And actually, if you look at those guys, that's all they did with them, 360s, 10 and 2s. Was, was Jake never... Shannon one of those guys that was uh, he he? Yeah, Jake Shannon was one of those dudes. Carl Gotch was one of those guys. Yeah. Um, there were a bunch of guys, but they did three sixties and ten and twos because those were the moves. Uh, Rick Brown did come around and created his own system, which he calls the traditional system right. of steel mace, which is nothing like the uh, Eastern style of mace, and it's truly an American style of uh, steel mace and Hats off to Rick Brown. He was doing one-handed moves. He was moving a mace in ways that had never been done before. Revolutionary. I imagine he got looked at for his work a lot like he looked at me for my work. Mm, possibly. You know, there's a whole Eastern culture who's very upset at what's been done with the mace. And you know, I clubs. was wondering about that, but I never was able to uh, siphon that out of out of the internet for you know, like when I kind of searched it, like who's who's upset? This Persian, this Persian yoga guy. I don't know if you know who he is. Uh, yeah, yeah. He just put up a shitty post, kind of <clears throat> giving somebody one of those. And when you read the comments section, there were a lot of dudes pissed off at Paul Lazinski. Really? Yeah. Why he's doing Indian clubs? Because, um, well, they feel that's theirs and that he was appropriating their culture to make a buck. I see. I don't see that he did anything wrong. No. I, don't I, I, think, it's, I think he's taught a whole other uh, group of people uh, his passion and his love, which I truly believe that dude loves it. Hell yeah. It wasn't for money. I'm fucking glad you made a buck. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. So glad you made a buck. That dude got through chemo, cancer, yep. swinging. Yep. If it was about the buck, like he healed himself with his art. So why people were like, ah, oh, you fucking. But, you know, there's this war of it's ours and it belongs to us. Anyways, on it, Vince the Mace. I fell in love with it because of how it was made so off balance. The thing that truly made it different from all other mace that I had been around worked with even to this day is that it had a hollow handle. The hollow handle made the mace completely, completely asymmetric. And it sang to me, like swinging it around and having to fight it because it was so off balance was this unique feeling. And um, for the longest time, I swore by it. If I saw somebody using a different mace, I'm like... Man, you're playing a guitar with two strings, dude. If you what could was, feel this. What was the different mace back then? Was it just another brand, do you mean? or It was a solid handle. Okay, I got most, you. It, most, probably something most, kind of like custom made. like not They really were traditionally like custom made mace with yeah. a heavy ball and a solid thick handle. Gotcha. Um, rather than a hollow tubed handle, which is a whole nother... That'd be a little bit more difficult to make, I think, just structurally. Right. How do we do that? Problem solve. I don't know. Another step. But it was truly the hand, the hollowed handled mace that made the 10 pounds on the top of the mace seem otherworldly. 
The first time I swung an Adix mace at 10 pounds because there was so much weight in the handle and a pommel on the bottom, which added more weight to the opposite end of the swing. I was like, oh my gosh, there's no fight here. At 10 pounds, at 15 pounds, this thing swings itself. What a brilliant design. This thing swings itself. Uh, the opposite mace, because there's no weight in the handle, there's very little lift. When the mace ball comes up, there's no weight on here pressing down. And so I just fell in love with it. And I built the whole system of steel mace flow and the Onnit traditional uh, mace foundations off of that mace. Our, and we all did. It was affordable. It was dependable. It's 40 bucks. I think it's 50 bucks now. And um, if I saw somebody using another mace, uh, like a thin-handled mace, because mace did come out later, uh, and there were many tries to make something as nice as the Onnit mace, here's the truth. A lot of people tried to make a different mace than Onnit, and then, this is true, they all made a replica. Everybody took the same dimensions from the Onnit mace and re-replicated it. So no all those what their design was. Yeah. So set for set, they made the identical mace. Yeah. Uh, the Viking Ninja mace, which is like, we hate on it. Well, I don't know if they hate on it, but there was like a tack fit, Viking Ninja, on it, Exodus. Made the exact same mace. Right. Um, I can't think of a company that didn't make that exact same mace. Garage you, fit. You know the fits. brand Incline? You know Incline, right? Yeah, Incline. So also. The, they did something kind of cool where they made is a 10-pound. The no, it's just like you're on it, Mace, yeah. except the 10-pound one has a shorter handle, and it's a skinnier handle. Mm -hmm. And so it's a shorter Mace altogether, and I have one, and I love it because it's kind of like one of those Bulva ma Maces, those in-betweeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there have been a lot of different designs, but is it a Mace or is it a Bulva? They called it a Mace if you... But I would, it, what, I would classify it as a bulva. What would um, uh, Stephanie Sorensen and Bill Sorensen call it? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I would, I would assume a bulva. They're very... Um, yeah, so just I want to be clear that there's the athletic mace and there's a bulva. So if you made a bulva, it's not a mace. Okay? Yeah. A god is not a mace. A bulva is a bulva. Yeah, okay? yeah. So, but you know, whatever, people have different opinions. Um, but I was glued to the idea that you can't make a better mace than this, right? No. And um, I did meet some mace along my travels that I've enjoyed swinging. I forgot one from the Flowing Dutchman, Harbert, and I fell in love with it. I've strongly been against thin handle maces because of internal torque. Uh, one thing that we talk about is external load. How much do you bench, bro? How much do you swing, bro? How slow can you swing? How well can you swing? Uh, there's some other questions. But the thicker the handle, the more internal torque is registered. So I think of internal torque getting strong from the inside out. If you take a thin-handled mace and you angle it out, you don't feel and you don't see the same flex in the system as a thicker handled mace. And so for me, for my personal strength development, the way that I got so strong was 
creating internal torque by moving the mace slow and extended with one hand. And, but you know, I started to find out when I started uh, finding more of the population other than me swinging mace, and I started meeting different body types, people like Harbert, who's a giant, he's like six foot something. And then also having like a kid in my class who's got very tiny hands. And then saying, ah, you're young, your hands are different. We need to make some adaptions for you. And then meeting a female who has a smaller bone structure than maybe a man, who typically has tinier hands than a man, even if they're the same way. And so it started to make sense to me that uh, the size of the hand might determine how thick a handle should be. But the problem I had is when I met the thinner handled mace, is they didn't sing to me the same way that this extremely off-balance 10-pound mace sang to me. And so I was never into the Onnit 7-pound Bolova mace, Yeah, which is a very tiny handle, which, you know, I'm just going to speak to the masses. Nobody uses that mace. Nobody uses the 7-pound Onnit mace at all. They I got to send directions. you a video later. Oh, you, you're using one? <laughs> no. I tried. There's a guy who is using one. Uh, he must have just picked it up yesterday, and he did this terrible video with it. And he's trying to be an instructor with it. And I'm mm. just shaking my head like, oh, this is embarrassing. So here's the 7-pound mace. The 7-pound mace doesn't hold you responsible because of the thin handle and the weight of it. I thought the weight. Right. But it was the thin handle. Yeah. It's too balanced. And so for him, even if he practices, falls in love with, that mace isn't going to put him in the right position because it doesn't produce enough drag and enough lift. And so his technique will be contemporary to the equipment that he has. If he had that thicker handle, his system would not be able to defend as well. And he'd probably have to like drop his hand way below rather than like up here. Anyways, um, so I was not in love with thin mace. Okay, I wasn't in love with short mace. There was only one mace for the job. Can you believe this? Only one! You're doing it wrong! <laughs> Matter of fact, I created the steel mace flow system. Everybody has to start with the same mace to create unity. The man, the woman, the child all have to do 500 swings with said mace. Um, and what I noticed uh, is... Um, not everybody could hold on to the mace the way I could. Can you believe that? We're all different. And so I did find a point where I thought it was, maybe there is a need for a thinner mace. I looked back at my history in martial arts. I can't tell you how many bow staff I've swung. Swung? Swinged? Swing bunks. Whatever. <laughs> the thinnest bow staff, the thickest oak bow staff. I swung them all. And in martial arts, it was progression. You do this for speed, for accuracy. You do this one for bludgeoning, okay? If somebody's really good at blocking, hit them with the big thing. It'll break their block, okay? Uh, so there were these different tools, and I had a preferred one, okay? I had one I liked. Uh, and so as time went on, I had continuously fantasized about finding the right thin mace that was balanced well enough. But it was extremely difficult to do because we kept designing the top of the mace with a, a big round glob right. because we thought that was necessary. But the bigger the handle gets, 
the, the thinner or the shorter the handle gets in order for it to weigh what you want. This mace weighs five pounds. It's extremely light and it's very thin. It's a, a barbell with thin 1.25 inches. Uh, and it's about a full arm's length. So it measures from about shoulder to arm with some room. So if you're six foot, you can have the same thing. And what I've noticed is in my martial arts side of what I can do with the mace has, has came out at a whole nother level. In developing martial arts, in putting martial arts into steel mace flow, which we should all know steel mace flow is based off of my history of martial arts. I couldn't swing the mace just like a bow staff because of how thick it was because of the internal uh, torque or internal pressure it was creating, namely on the thumb, elbow, and shoulder. Uh, and so once I got into this thinner mace that is balanced, almost identical to the 10 pound mace that I love so much, only so much weight in the handle, only so much weight in the head, almost replica. And uh, I, I just freed up a whole nother path for me. Uh, in creating content with mace. And so I found it very neat because it brought out some of my martial arts spirit. I found it very neat because it was so thin and I could practice for so much longer and fine tune moves that I couldn't maybe with a, a thicker mace, which also translated to my students. Here, try it with this mace. Uh, almost, almost every student I introduced this new mace to is so much more easy to download the fundamental skill that we're trying to get across while gravity does its job of holding the student financially, financially responsible. Yeah, I'll just say financially responsible. Now there is something very different. This is always like a gap for me. Um, and I got this from Zachary Yank, uh, Frankenlegs. He loves Indian clubs so much. He has a, a Steel Mace Flow Indian Club certification. And he was bridging the gap between mace and club. You know, uh, hey, Leo, did you know that this move that we do with the club, you do in steel mace flow? And so I just was so neat to find like so much common ground. And a lot of that conversation that Zach and I was having wasn't necessarily from things that he was creating, but like, hey, dude, I found this book from the 1800s. Look how this guy's holding the club. Look at how this guy's doing the technique with the club. It's just like the mace. And so I have fantasized about moving the mace like a club, but I can't. It's too thick. Uh, the other maces aren't well balanced enough. And so what I have been able to do is everything you can do with the club. Uh, Indian club, not steel club, totally different. Uh, I can do anything with this weight that I can with the... Uh, uh, an Indian club, a wooden club. Wait, so if I'm understanding correctly, you are saying that the the little savage you can mimic um, a lot of these Indian club moves. Yes, and I'll tell you why. Wow! When you swing the steel mace, the 1.5 inch thick, you almost have to use your shoulder in a rotational motion. You almost have to. If you don't, the the fucking mace will tell you. But because the mace is so thin, I don't need to use my shoulder to create circles and spirals. I can just do that with my wrist, just like in Indian clubs. Okay. Indian clubs, which is not steel clubs. You can't, I haven't seen yet. I have seen some amazing movements with a steel club, 
but uh, a two pound wooden club moves a lot differently than a 10 pound half the size uh, steel club. And, and so there is a lot of stuff that you can do uh, with the little savage that you can't do with the big club. Uh, because I'm working in circular motions with the heavy mace, I really emphasize shoulder capsule rotation, everything working in a circle. What I don't do is I don't train the wrist as much because it's all from the shoulder. But I can take my mace and I can do a mill with my wrist. And yeah. I don't need to get my shoulder necessarily involved i can do both but there is a little bit of uh fun play imagination chance to develop chance to marry two worlds together well three you have some indian clubs you have some traditional like mace combat and then you have like the workout style and for me being a teacher and coaching five lessons a day which i don't know it's at five hours of swinging mace I need a teaching stick, bro. I need a laser pointer just so I can sh show everybody. Um, and most importantly, though, it makes me happy. When I, I've very rarely found a mace that I've swung and said, oh, man, this is the one. I have the fire mace from uh, raw form calisthenics. Yeah, overseas. Uh, overseas. I love it. Doesn't seem to me. Okay. When I light it on fire, it talks to me. There's a lot of weight in the handle. It's beautiful. It's a work of art. It's the sexiest mace I have. But um, I don't reach for it when I want to practice. I've got an Adix mace. I love it because it's so thin. It yeah. operates like a bow staff. I can whip it under my arms. and I can do all these things with it. But because there's weight on both ends, it just doesn't, for me, necessarily work as well. I love it but it, it's not the one I go to. This mace just grabbed onto me. I just haven't been able to let it go. I pick it up, I swing it, I pick it up, I swing it, I pick it up, I swing it. When I walk anywhere with it, it's approachable. It's blue, like the sky. Uh, colored like a water gun. But it's, it's funny, you meant this friendly. blue color. My daughter, I got her a wooden mace. Um, I don't even know if it's a half a pound. I don't know. But it's that same blue color. It's unbelievable. And you know uh, what? Yeah. She can't, she's yeah. not doing much with it, but I could see myself getting her this very one that you're you have right here. Yeah, and it would be a good step for a kid. Right. It would be a great step for an adult. But how cool is that? I never thought about it for a kid. But like you could totally hone in a skill with your kid using the same mace. Right. And get reward, maybe not equal reward, maybe even more reward. How cool is it when you're a kid and you get to use the same weight and have the same challenge as uh, the adult? What, yes. a, what a bonding moment that is. You know? That's right. Yeah, like you, you, you're you, using it and you're getting it all hot with your hands. And then you go, okay, kid, here, you try. Your kid grabs it. They feel the heat from your hands. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then and then they're like one with that thing. That's this is my daddy was just using this. You're right, man. Ah, I love it. I think it's safe. I think it's a lot safer for skill development. You know, if you can form up some muscle memory, even if it's not clinically correct, 
it's always easier to make small adjustments. Hey, I've been swinging this mace forever. Actually, I got the flow, the big flow. I can do it with this mace. But when I do it with a heavier mace, uh, it's different yeah. in these areas. And then you only just have to critique those areas. Uh, but my wrists are extremely healthy. They are the healthiest they've ever been. They've taken abuse over the years for yeah, some I things to, to work. I wanted to let's pinpoint on this because I, I didn't want to interrupt you earlier. But mm. uh, I never. I mean, I just assume my wrists are doing something while I'm working with a mace. They are. But there are times where I feel like my wrists are actually a little beat up. Maybe I overtrain or something. Um, so what are we really talking here? We're we're, we're talking about using your new mace here to kind of get the shoulder out of the way a little bit and do these wrist maneuvers, that's just going to help wrist health. And that's going to backfeed to the rest of everything you do. Right. Yeah. I mean, that sums it up, you know, it's like, uh, you know, if you just, what can you do with a barbell? What can you do with the barbell with well, two plates on it? I've seen what well, you do. Well, I appreciate that. But, you know, it's like the more weight you add onto it, the more you take away from the ability to develop skill. Yes. You know, if it look, hey, if there's a bar on the floor and it's 500 pounds, what move can you do to it? If you're strong enough, maybe you can deadlift it. Yeah. But you're not going to do curls with it. But, you know, there's not, a, there's not a limit. I think it's extremely fun. I think it's extremely portable. Um, I know it fits in a suitcase, which was like, a big problem for a lot of people is like, how do I take my mace with me? But like a checked in full size suitcase, it'll fit corner to corner, which is beautiful. So it's, I'm a it's 36 inches less. Yeah. Actually, I don't know the length of it. I should, I should know, but I mean, I, I guess I do know somewhere, but I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. But yeah, I just, it was, it was perfectly made. It does a lot of things that I, want a mace to do like it doesn't stand up like you can't set it on the head and it just stand up like this okay you need to display it somewhere you need to put it on something and it doesn't weigh anything so you can put it on a shelf uh but you know what i didn't like is like growing up in the mace world it's like you have all the mace stacked up and then like somebody vacuums or goes to grab one and I know. You know what I, I mean? I just so I said I want one that doesn't stand up because what that means if you're in a yoga studio, fuck that, bro. If yeah. your mace falls over, you're gonna hit the floor. There's the exit door. Yeah. So yeah. we put a little rubber stop on here. Nice. So in case it does fall, voila. Should be good. But it does not stand vertically. You can lean it on some stuff. But that was just like some kind of fun, important things. And when's it going to be available? Go to adxclub.com to purchase a steel mace or a steel club that's adjustable, made right here in the United States. Is we get them from China? <laughs> in order to get something from China, you have to have a. It's a game, bro. It's like. You have to have a customs agent on their side who gets the equipment onto the boat. Then you have to have some type of customs agent on the boat. And then when it gets to America, you have to have another type of, and I'm just saying customs agent, it's different. You have to have another person who can get the mace from you or off of the boat. And so there's three people doing the same job. Like that's how fucking bureaucratic 
are it can be like why uh, can't you get it off the boat it's your mace right you're not allowed to go up and sign for it well there's i would not uh dare step for step foot on a shipping yard yeah i think those places are extremely dangerous and me trying to find those would be like trying to find a needle in a haystack yeah it's more of just yeah it's just more of like pay your fee pay your fee pay your fee but whenever it gets here you just have to you know there's other people in line who knows how long it's gonna take i wish i knew so all 500 are gonna be there yeah okay so everybody needs to just stay in touch with you keep watching your videos and yeah, well, if we, you know, we sell these ones, I'm sure, you know, we'll put out another, you know, put some more out. But um, Do you have you know, a there's not price yet, or you're still working on that? No, no, I gotta wait till everything, yeah. all the final levies are added up. But um, I don't know, man, twenty nine, thirty five. I don't, oh, wow. you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know. But um, yeah, I think it'd be a great gift for a loved one. It'd be fun for the mace collection. And you know what was really important about this, Mace, is in the history of me working with Mace, do you know how many people have approached me about, Leo, you should have your own Leo Savage Mace? Yeah, I bet a lot, right? Yeah, all the time. And you know why I said no? Because I didn't want to copy. I said, if I'm going to make a Mace, there's already perfect ones out here. I built my system on this thing. The world universally agrees, hey, I want to start working out with the Mace. You need to get a 10-pound with a thick handle. Okay, they make a thin one, they make a thin, thick one. You know, uh, I didn't want to copy. That'd be like me creating a system called Mace Flow. There's already a system still Mace Flow. Be like me creating a system with all the same landmarks, all the same names, all almost the same logo, and saying, no, this is Mace Flow. It's called Steel Mace Flow. I don't know if being you felt that, but that was that was an uppercut and a left hook. You're being very primal right now, you know. You felt that. Still a man. Still a man. It's in me to defend. All right? Don't take it away from me. <laughs> it's all yours, buddy. <laughs> so this yeah. is really cool, though. Um, and, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was Steel Mace Flow because as a certified Steel Mace Flow coach myself, um, I find your system always uh, helping me out when I coach people, even when I'm not doing steel mace flow stuff with them, even when I'm just that, doing man. other stuff. Um, you know, s- the standards that you followed to put out steel mace flow are, you know, it's a very tight program talking about stacking your joints and then using the floor uh, and spreading the floor and everything, which is right out of your martial arts background, which is was a huge revelation for me because um, now I understand where martial art, why martial artists look like they're pulling the energy of the earth mm. up into their bodies because yeah. they're using the, the, the ground. It's freaking mm. fantastic. It's almost mind-blowing. But um, yeah, all those coaching cues and everything from Steel Mace Flow, um, I always make sure... Um, reminding my clients, whatever it is I'm training them to, you know, be tight, you know, tuck the pelvis or whatever. Um, so that I wanted to talk about those standards that you brought to the steel mace flow. Um, and how did you actually 
come about doing that? And was that from your background in martial arts where you were taught by other people with high standards? Um, yeah. So good question. How did I come up with this shit? <laughs> well, just well, the quality. I, I do. The quality I do. of it. Well, um, for me, uh, I did have a lot of fear in creating uh, a maze system knowing that I'm going to teach people how to swing weapons. And so for me, there was this big like fatherly instincts or martial arts sensei instinct. Like I need to protect these people. And, you know, really like, I'll just tell my 360 story. I saw Rick Brown's extremely inspirational video about swing and mace. And he talked about swings like 2000 reps every time he picks up his mace or more. That's the first time I'd ever heard somebody swinging or lifting or moving anything a thousand times, you know? Um, you know, like Bruce Lee said, I don't fear the man who knows 10,000 kicks, but practices one kick 10,000 times. And I'm like, shit, you could get 10,000 reps in two days, three days, four days, according to, you know, Rick's math. Yeah. And I went to the gym and I swung thousand reps, 15 pound mace. Swung a thousand, I fucking hurt myself at 300. I remember I swing and I pull my elbow straight and it click. Ugh. I'm not gonna stop. I'm going for this. We're fighting. Swing, pull my elbow forward, click. Shit. And so I put my elbow inside, less pain. Swung with my elbow straight, click, pain. Okay, swing with your elbow in. And so still makes flow. Uh, which has been practiced for nine years, going on 10, has only been in business for six years. And so I spent a lot of time hurting myself, practicing, enjoying learning how to not hurt myself with the steel mace. And so I just understood, like, if I hold these responsible stances, which do draw from my martial arts, which do draw from my strength and conditioning, this is how you do it without hurting yourself. Or this is how I did it to stop hurting myself. And now here you go. And so that's why there was a standard. I grew up in martial arts. I learned how to work hard as a young man. And I took the lessons that the mace gave me and I just handed them out. I knew that if you grabbed a mace and you pulled it apart a hundred times, your lats and your scap would talk. I knew that. And I knew that there was a, one solution. You do hundreds of reps. Matter of fact, my system goes, you learn a move, you do it a hundred times on both sides. And there's a lot of moves. There's a lot of steps. And so that standard comes from just like anything in life. You, you do it thousands and thousands of times until it clicks into you. And like I said, just trying to help protect. But it was a really difficult journey trying to take um, when you look at how I perform still may slow and you look at the level one system, you can see pieces, but that's not what I'm doing. I am riding cursive with my body and my mace. I'm throwing my mace through the air, spinning, twirling, flipping, cartwheels, ground animal flow. I'm doing all these things that aren't in level one, but level one really gave me a foundation. These are what my students need to be strong and aware so when they get to a higher state of free flow or get to a level two system, 
or create their own movements, they should be strong and safe in these places that I found myself needing extra strength, uh, you know, in the journey. And that was all, you know, to stop from hurting myself. And the names were easy. I remember flying to New York and I'm going to teach my first May seminar. And I'm like, all right, I literally took a video of everything I was going to teach. Like I made a 20 minute flow or 30 minute flow. And I was like, how many steps do you do? It's like four. Well, how many positions do you operate from? Well, I think there's four like standard positions. I was like, four is a big number. What else do you have four in? And, uh, it built itself. It just started. There's four anti-rotations. There's four steps. There's four pivots. Um, there's five moves. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just kind of came together. And I think the biggest step uh, for me in taking it to the next level, I went out to a cabin in the woods in the Pacific Northwest for two weeks. I had a wood-burning stove, uh, no electricity. I had to chop my own wood and I wrote Mace, Steel Mace Flow Level 1 certification. I spent two weeks living like a crazy man in the woods. Uh, did you creating... write it by, um, with pen and paper or did yeah. you have – wow, pen this is paper. great. Wow. Yeah. yeah, pen and paper. This goes back to the earlier conversation when, when I said the guy who's locked up in a prison and writes a book. You kind of like – Built a know, prison but... for myself. Yes, right. Yeah. You just it wasn't sequestered. It yourself. wasn't pretty. It wasn't fun. It was raining, and I, you know, I'm trying to chop wood. Yeah, I did have some good moments. Like I couldn't start a fire, and I had a big bag of weed, so I just put a bunch of the weed as kindling. <laughs> that <laughs> fucking worked. And, wow. Uh, yeah, it was a. It was a really. It was a really um, neat time, and I just I remember. But I got to tell you, anybody who's done. Any type of steel makes flow work, makes flow work. There's this thing where you feel almost like you've been gifted something from a higher level. Like, how did I do that move? Where did that come from? It felt like I was getting a download from my ancient ancestors. Like, there's some sacred geometry in my blood that's mm. coming out. And I don't know how this is all happening, but it's truly coming together as it should. Once I got to that point where I was able to contribute uh, as creating the steel mace flow system, it just poured out of me, man. Years and years of practice. And it's like I tell all my students who compliment, Leo, you're really good at that. I just look at them in the face and tell them, if you swung a mace for nine years, three hours a day, you would be just as good. You know, because you could do it too. But, you know, if you do anything into that length of time, I don't know if you become a master at it, but you definitely become a master at practicing it. But it just truly came together. It was a very beautiful thing. And the level two system uh, was also just kind of built itself in that uh, the hardest part about the level one and level two system was what am I going to keep out? Like, hey, Leo, why didn't you teach us this? It's like, well, man, I had to, there's only so much I can teach you. And so I firmly believe if I can teach somebody the five basic moves and still may slow, level one, there's a lot more than, I, I think there are five basic moves in, in the mace world. 
five. And if I can teach you those five moves, I can teach you anything in the steel mace system. And so having that knowledge, it's like, listen, if you just teach yourself how to do these five moves, you'll discover the rest. Ah, um, yeah. You know, and I've had so many, it's like this conversation about like rock and roll was fighting with blues is fighting with like other musics. And I don't know who it was, but they said like, look, man, there's only so many strings and so many notes on the guitar. Yeah. Like I remember early on, um, like, you know, the Viking Ninja guys had like this, like don't swing with flow campaign going on. And we're all patched up now, I think. Like nobody's rubbing anybody the right way. And yeah, I'm it's definitely trying not to definitely not trying to light any fires. But um every time I watch anybody from the Viking Ninja systems wing a maze, I think, well, oh, you're really good. Like you've got some really good fundamentals. And if this person keeps practicing for three years, four years, eventually you're gonna have the same conversation I did. What if I could do this move with one hand? Yeah. I wonder if I could do this move from a lunge. I wonder if I could do this from one hand, hand to hand, transitioning while spinning from lunge to lunge. And so it's just a, you know, uh, you can build it yourself, man. And there's only so many notes you can play. And I really love how the moves that uh, we came up with that were so radical. Whoa, whoa. Like they're just basic knowledge now. Like what would like, that be? What would be a radical move? Like sword swing. Oh, okay. Like, you know, you do. Yeah. Everybody does wrist circles. Like right. when you work out, you do, you know, paint the fence, Mr. Miyagi. And you warm up your wrist. Same thing with the mace. Like you do a sword swing. It's the same thing. Just yeah. adding a little time under tension. And, um, but, you know, like the uppercut, you know, like people were like, oh, I'll never do the uppercut. You only do swings. And now they do like uppercut swing lunge combos nobody ever did was doing lunges with mace you just stand up and now everybody does all the different lunge matrix with mace um throwing a mace through the air to transition from hand to hand it's kind of upper echelon move but it's there and yeah i'd say like all the one-handed moves like there were very little one-handed mace moves like if you were going to do a one-handed mace move when i was coming up it was a one-handed 360 or an alternating 10 to 2 alternating hands. But now everybody does uppercuts with one-handed, ballistic curls with one hand, uh, 360s from the middle uh, of the mace, the battle swings. I, I don't know, but this is just my world. I feel yeah, like yeah. everybody's doing it. Who knows if, yeah, if no, they actually are. Just you're, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, a 10-pound a mace, like, you know, on it 10-pound mace is great to do uh outside mills because and it's fun because the the tail of the mace you have to get it to go behind you which is fun rather than fun. the club right a club you don't have that tail they're still fun to do they're great shoulder exercise but do it with a 10 pound mace and all of a sudden it's like whoa this is friggin' mind-blowing yeah the bolova the like half mace i like it yeah but i just think i'd rather use a steel club because I don't have to necessarily watch out for the size of the head in like a 20 pound bolivar. The head is big. Yeah. That's a big, but like a 20 pound club, you can still found like pretty narrow. And I don't have anything against the, the bolivar, but I could do everything you do with the bolivar from my mace, which happens to have a grip right in the middle. 
So I can, I can do all that. Yeah. You know, so for me, it's just a uh, utility, but I think the bullet was cool. I don't have one. I don't, I guess, I guess if I had one, I might use it a little bit, but I have some steel clubs. Yeah. Mace stuff, man. Yeah. Mace stuff all the way, which is uh, growing. You know, we're seeing more and more people doing it every day. There's new accounts popping up. New uh, moves. Yeah. Who, new, where are these new moves coming from? How is new this front, possible? New front runners, new like nations, new communities. I There's it, even man. a uh, supposedly a, a witchcraft mace uh, people coming soon. Hell yeah. I Good. saw this. I saw this with my own two eyes. I didn't I didn't know that was happening, but fucking go for it, man. You know? I mean, I'm picturing wow. pentagrams, right? And people in Probably. pentagrams swinging and dark I'm incantations glad, coming up. I'm glad that uh, spirituality is still found through athletic endeavors. Yeah. Isn't uh, that something? You know, and I, I'm not saying witchcraft is my cup of tea. Right. But I'll take I'll take me a good spell every now and then if somebody's offering, you know, spell me out. <laughs> um but I think that's you know, we talked about health and fitness. You do have your fitness part. Uh, but also it's nice to attach mentally to what you're doing. It's nice to detach to like uh so I'm 42 now. And uh something that I've been uh on my uphill battle with is I can feel my testosterone levels slowly disappearing matter of fact you can see it in my face hair is and my head hair right it's not black. Oh. yeah <laughs> so so i think something's different and yeah. uh and so in order for me to keep my muscle mass i have to do sets and so i'm doing hypertrophy i'm doing heavy weights i do kettlebells um i do heavy mace intervals but uh it's something that i've i've really enjoyed and what's great about it is i don't have to think about it i don't have to create art it doesn't have to be beautiful I find a certain zen in knowing I've got to do 30 push press with my kettlebells. Yes. I find it so relieving that I know when it's going to end. You know, this is weird for me to say. But, uh, you know, it used to be like, I don't want to know when it ends. I don't want to know what I'm going to do. But I do find the, the usefulness in it for, you know, where I'm at right now. And I'm very thankful to it. Yeah, I could totally see that happening with you. Um, after creating flow and teaching flows, you know, you it's there's more thought process going on, and you established that stronghold in your life, and and now you're talking about like doing the opposite of that, and and it feels good, you know, a little dichotomy yeah. is goes a long way. Well, and I think it's really full circle because it I had to do the move, like Bruce Lee said. You know, yeah. 10,000 times. I always like to caveat that with Bruce Lee says he feared the man who knew one kick and did it 10,000 times, but the motherfucker knew 10,000 kicks. So the idea is not to learn one move, motherfucker. It's just to own it. But you need to know an extensive library of moves. Matter of fact, Jeet Kune Do, since it had so many, had boxing, wrestling, judo, jujitsu, it probably had more moves in it than all of them, uh, in my opinion. Oh, and really? So Bruce Lee, that's my opinion, yeah. Bruce I, Lee I, knew, knew had to throw a jab in Eastern, Western, European. He knew how to throw a jab all the different ways. Okay, you know how he knew I how took to, it? 
I, I took it as he took the he cherry picked the best of everything and put it mm. together. And in my mind, his jab would have been cherry picked from the best jab from over mm. here. That's the way I, but that's very interesting that what you're saying. Well, in order for him to pick out the best one, you would have to have a close relationship with the second place and the third place. True. Yes. Yeah. Fully. Yes. Front kick. And like just even his sidekick, for example, it's not just a chamber and kick. There were various ways in Taekwondo or uh, Jikundo to throw a sidekick. And I listen, Chinese Kung Fu is super old. So I could be wrong, but yeah. it's just, I'm just, just saying it. Maybe, yeah. maybe. But I, in order for me to like, I remember, and I've told this story before, I don't know if I've told it on this podcast, but when I had my big mace breakthrough, the big one, uh, I was in a dark place. So I was torturing myself with my workouts. You've been there. You had a bad day. You went to the gym to fuck yourself up. Like, I'm going to crush myself doing this workout today. And that's therapy, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, sometimes meeting conflict with conflict is good. <laughs> and, but I would go to the gym and I'd play this game until you die. And I was very Bushido, was very into the arts. And I would take my mace and I remember I'm going to do a switch squat, which is just a hand to hand transition and a squat until I'm dead. And that was the mentality I was going into this. Not like, I'm going to do reps until I can't do them anymore. I'm like, let's see what you got, Leo. Like, you're going to do this until you're dead. Not till you can't do them anymore. Not till when you decide, but like when you can't move. Like when the sun comes up. Like when they come looking for you. Let's do it that long. And I'm doing this move. And I'm doing this move. And I'm doing this move. And I said, man, you could just take a step forward and do like a, the same switch, but with a lunge. But I didn't do it. Did the move until I couldn't do, could not do it anymore. The next day I came in, I was like, all right, let's do that move. Let's do the switch and the step forward. I used to call it a hammer lunge because I felt like I was hammering my leg. And I'd hit myself in the nose. Oh, okay. Got to have good posture. I'd hit myself in the, in the calf. Oh, okay. Your ankle needs to be under your knee. Okay. Collision. All right. What's happening? So I had to line my body to make the mace move and i did that same until you die game with every fucking move i got to know the move very well and i did my thousands and thousands of reps and that got me to a place where i could do the reps on command which now i'm in a place where i do singular reps again you know <laughs> yep. we're just a hamster on a wheel right i prefer myself as pac-man okay i don't know it's pack why because you're just packing does the out. same thing does the same thing Goes all around. over yeah, yeah. Every, every time he starts he finishes he starts he finishes he starts he finishes you know you you said uh you, you whacked yourself in the nose so you're like okay good posture which good posture. If, if somebody goes and gets uh steel mace flow certified through your program you talk about good posture quite mm -hmm. a lot but you never really said Oh, by the way, like, you know, how you just said it casually just now, because, you know, it's a formal program, but it's interesting having these conversations. Um, that's where the good posture comes from. Like, you know, you made mistakes and you learned. Yeah, I hit myself in the ass and I did a 360. So what do you do with your ass? Yeah, right. Tuck it. You tuck it in, which yeah. does what to your ribs. Right. Brings them down, you know? So it was just like, 
you know, collision. And so I, I guess I don't say that in, um, you need to come to a live certification, man. Cause you, cause you fill in the blanks, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, well, I've only got, I've only got a few hours. And so I try and say the things that hit you in the heart, the deepest. Yeah. And, uh, but that's one of them, you know, I said, you know, I, I think I, I forget the line I use, but it's somewhere about, uh, the mace has this unique property and it's called collision. <laughs> the mace will hit you. And so you need to get out of the way. Let's preemptively get out of the way. And I'm, you know, they happen to be holistic things. Like having a nice, tall, neutral spine while you're sitting at your desk is important. But right. you can't have that unless you have an access, a mind-muscle connection to what's happening with posterior and anterior tilt of your hips. Yeah, that's another thing. So your, your program teaches all that without it getting into like you're taking a NASM certification, like, mm -hmm. you, you, like how you just use that language there. That's great language, but a lot of people don't relate to it right yeah so, uh, man I, when i went through that shit dude and i learned all the words i thought i was gonna go in because i was a personal trainer man like, yeah. i went in there and we did it i measured your heart rate checked your weight saw how much food you ate last night counted your calories so i did you know i did all that yeah but uh, i forgot where yeah. i was going well you you didn't teach it that way in steel mace flow you you dropped all that um industry oh, jargon oh. for, for well, the better I, well, when I started, like, I went over to my client. I'm like, it's flexion extension. Like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> what fuck do you mean? Like, and then, and then, here's the other thing. I remember having a mace in my hands and being good with it, and not like words. And then, like, going and giving it to a student. And I'm like, here, do this shit. And they're like, oh god, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I'm like, trying to make shit complicated. It was just no, hey, that's landmark two, it's landmark one. This is how easy it is. Yeah. You know, if I can just get you in there, you know, fuck starting at first grade or kindergarten. You start yes. everybody start everybody at third grade. Yeah, right. 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 Start everybody. Hey, this is where you're at. Okay, look, boom, boom. You can bounce. You can go up, you can go down. We're gonna find where you excel at. Oh, you're good here? Good. We have all these building blocks for somebody who can excel right here. So you just gotta make it simple. Yeah. And then I understood how difficult the language was. Like, there are so many moves. And I want to call them all badass, hero, superhero move, phoenix rising, demon dog, delta move. It just is like, hey, we got to create a simple system. That's not to say you can't have fun. Right. And people do. There's a ton of YouTube channels out there. There's a ton of information on ensemble.com uh, where people are making up creating beautiful flows, beautiful movements, beautiful names. But the foundation is so simple. It makes it uh, art articulate well. And once you explain how easy it is, the system, uh, it, it just makes it, you can learn the names if you want. Right. Or you can call it step one. Well, you know, the, if you're uh, already certified through NASM or WIC or something, you, you know that that industry jargon kind of gets lost on your clients when you take steel mace flow as a coach you learn this great simple language that you can use uh on on your clients so when i teach steel mace stuff i mimic what i heard you say in your in your certification because 
you did all that hard work and thinking about it. Well, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I'm just going to – that's what you got there. That's what's so great about it. And nice. it teaches you how to how to relate to your clients differently. Yeah, you know, like uh, the snatch has always been the snatch, whether yeah. it's with snatch a barbell, always- a dumbbell, a uh, kettlebell. You know the kettlebell guy? He could have been like, this is called the round-the-world flip ball. <laughs> it's so it's so different with the kettlebell you could almost put a different name on it but you know what he kept it simple this is how you do a squat this is how you push this is how you pull yeah there's some nuances there's some ballistic moves swinging snatching but still call the snatch you know and and so it should be with uh with mace work too you know it should be a simple language and yeah reinventing the language of the mace is only going to get us further behind i have had several mace students who have trained with me and they said well this guy called it this yeah what's it called i'm like well what do you call it we can call it whatever you want this is what i call it you know but i do understand that people want to create not be in the shadow and so here you are you're a mace enthusiast you take the mace education and you want to be on your own two mace feet yeah well you got to create your own business which means you need your own name and then you want to start creating your own moves. Okay. What I have found is that when people don't use the foundational language that we use, it gets very hard to teach the mace. Yes. When you're making up names for it rather than established names. And then that goes to another uh, step. Like when you meet a couple people who are thoroughly educated in mace and they know like all the names of it. Oh, that's actually called an outside swing. No, it's called an inside swing. It just makes so much more sense if we all get the same language, which really helps me out in my business, honestly. But I think we should settle on this is called a 360. We don't need to call it anything else. Like people rename the sword swing with the mace. Hand oh, really? swing. Yeah. Call it a couple different things. I don't get it. Yeah. And then the students don't get it because they don't see it has different systems of mace. They just see it as swing and mace. I mean, maybe chalk it up to they didn't know that there was a name for it and they just came up with something on the fly. I don't know. I think what they did is they wanted to be the light. And so in my experience, what I've witnessed firsthand and talked about, why did you do that? Why do you rename the system? It's because they want to be the light. They want to be the person. And it's hard to live in the shadow of somebody else when you're so passionate about it yeah that's my experience and what i've witnessed felt but you know whatever yeah well you know if you're if you're a coach i mean you you have to make sure that what you're teaching is congruent with everything else that's out there i mean um you you know what though another thing is is that because mace culture it might feel big to us because we do it. It's still small to other people. Right. And so it reminds me of when I grew up in martial arts, you would have the phony black belt. He's like, oh, this is Sam Gom quad, quad three. You're just like, bro, it's not the real deal. But this guy really wants to be the one who created it. And so he's making up all this stuff and pretending he's the guy. Yeah. You know? Which, you know, the problem is, is there's a history. And so you can really track where things came from. This is a digital age. Ask ChatGPT who Leo Savage was. 
fucking knew me. Told me oh, all really? kinds of things. It's actually kind of funny story. Um, it said all these things, and it got a lot right. Like, this is Leo. This is what he does. And it actually gave me some compliments, and I just felt <laughs> so touched that this AI called me. Called me something really neat. Really. And then yeah, and then, and I asked trying to make it, friends uh, with you. Yeah, probably. And uh, and I'm trying to make friends with it. So let's go. <laughs> but it said um, Leo was also known for two, or he's also written two books. <laughs> I haven't written any books. Oh. And so, yeah. So I'm like, okay, let me, um, what books did he write? And it's like, Leo was also wrote the kettlebell something, something. I think it's a project that's in the future that it kind of got its hands on. Uh, but I wanted to create a signature Leo Savage signature kettlebell moves. Uh, but anyways, it said, I wrote this kettlebell book. And then it said, I wrote the steel mace Bible. And I'm like, all right, hold it. Right, right. What the hell's the steel mace Bible? So I say, what's the steel mace Bible? And it says, steel mace Bible is the foundational language, which still mace flow is created on. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, all this like beautiful stuff. I'm like, okay, where do I buy it? And it sends me a link to my level one program. And I was like, oh, you think the Bible, the Steel Mace Flow Bible is my level one foundations? And oh. I was like, friend request accepted, chat GPT. <laughs> that is wild, man. Wow. Well, and, you know, I mean, yeah. it's just a story. It's just a story on some, uh, on an app that yeah. isn't all there yet. You right, know? right. But right. it kind of reminds me of like a, a student like kind of telling a story, you know, like, but yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm thinking uh, you're going to be back on a podcast next year with a, with a new book out. Yeah. I've, uh, I've constantly you know been title. trying. Well, I, if I wrote the steel mace Bible, I think I would get crucified. Yeah. Well, it better be comprehensive. It I think be... if you called anything, the Bible, yeah, it's you're gonna. It's probably not the best choice, right? You know, of of a uh, book. Yeah, and I have flack from everywhere. I have tried to write a a book. Steel Mace Flow, the Tao of Steel Mace Flow. Still working on names, but it's really hard to write a Steel Mace Flow book and leave myself out of it. Hmm. I always feel like I'm writing an autobiographical book, and so I'm kind of in the middle of i don't know which direction to go with that yeah i think i i think yeah i i don't want the steel mace flow when i was young younger um steel mace flow was me i was steel mace flow and if you trained in steel mace flow you were one of my students as time has gone on and i've steel mace flow has grown what I've learned is that there are students of Steel Mace Flow who are not my students. Can you believe that? Because Leo Savage and Steel Mace Flow are separate. And so, um, yeah, that would be the goal in writing the Steel Mace Flow book. I think there needs to be a little bit of um, this is who it came from in there, but it's really hard to pick and choose the things that uh, were part of my life that helped me create the program. Because, you know, when you really look at it, it's like all the bad things that happened to me, all the good things that happened to me got me to a point where I could live this life. 
And so just like writing the steel mace flow level one certification, what do I put in it? What do I leave out? I'm like, I'm at that space, but I've gotten enough self-indulgence. I've been the man for long enough. I don't want to be the man. Don't want to be responsible for steel mace flow. I am happy to have contributed and gave this world something that has made it a better place. I didn't contribute, I created. And it is such a beautiful thing to sit back and watch your kids grow rather than change their diapers, feed them, you know, make sure you yeah, do this stuff. I'm the parent. It's nice just to be cool uncle and uh, enjoy it that, from that direction. So it's Uncle Leo from here on out. Which is funny because that was my nickname when I was being a little bit of a bitch and in my uh with the steel mace gang you know yeah. if i was like oh it's time to go to i'm just tired let's <laughs> not walk around new york i would get like oh uncle leo's here uh... <laughs> i'll take it man i'll be yeah, uncle definitely so that's uh great stuff leo i i think um your your mace that you got coming out is is going to be a hit um looks like you put a lot of intention into it as you usually do it seems uh that's the way you are and uh that's i think we extracted a lot of that from you today you know about standards and everything like that um except of course when you went to jail that was a different part of your life but still a good part good stories good stories um, yeah good stories I'm glad it's I important. didn't have to actually live them. <laughs> it's important to know. I don't know. It's, it's fun to find out these things about, like, I remember my karate teacher. This is kind of a bad story. He showed up at my door delivering a Domino's pizza. <laughs> oh, that's he couldn't, awkward. He couldn't make the buck. Yeah. I only saw Sensei in his black belt. I only saw Master Ken in his black belt. Wow. And then one day he's wearing a Domino's uniform at my door. It's like, Whoa. It, well, it really helped me see that, like, cool. You know, Leo went to jail. Now I do. All right, cool. Like, you, we're there. Not okay. saying you need to go to church, go to jail, but I'm just a human. Yeah. I'm not a deity. I'm not a guru. I did for some time kind of end up in a place because there's some spirituality involved in the practice of flow. And uh, what we brought out, uh, there were people acting like me, walking like me, talking like me. And they got, they inherited all the problems somebody who walks and talks like me does. No uh, shit. Inherit. Wow. Yeah, well, you know, this is, um, most of the time in a guruship, the people closest to the guru will act like him, walk like him, talk like him, dress like him, and inherently get the problems from, you're gonna have the same problems. That's crazy. You're gonna have this if you if you act like me, walk like me, talk like me, guarantee you're gonna get in trouble. Guarantee. <laughs> it's a it's like a manifestation. Yeah, and um the guru or the sensei is doing he's going, no, pull your elbow in front of you. Don't be like me. And you're trying to be the guru. And so there has to be, you have to take yourself down. You can't be the guru. The only person who can take the guru down, well, it's the guru. Well, I mean, the government, you know, or your people. <laughs> but I think the only way to do it to where you're accepted and you get to just blend in and be one of the people is uh, 
you knock yourself down a little bit. Hey, I'm a human. I'm just like you guys. Yeah. If you did this for six years, nine years, for three hours a day, you would be just as good, if not better. Just like you. So practice. Just practice. Yeah. Conversations, fitness, practice. All right. So, brother, thank you for coming on. This was a great conversation. I had a lot of fun talking to you today. Um, as always, come back. Uh, maybe come back again when those 500 maces hits shore. Oh, yeah. I'm excited another... about that. Yeah. 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 I just want to see what people do with them. Well, yeah. you're going to be probably – it sounds like you got a whole – bunch of stuff coming out right i mean you figured out a lot of new stuff or i guess you're going to be doing videos or is there also going to be something that like another certification or you yeah i do have yet? no i do i don't mind telling you and it's kind of exciting but in the level two system we uh covered a topic called battle stance mm -hmm. and it's weaponizing your mace and um this mace is a lot more martial arts capable than yeah. That the level two program, like I said, I had to kind of limit what was in there, like all programs. But I do have a fantasy of um, going all in on a battle stance uh, system. And um, it's no secret. I have a very good friend, Dave, who comes down and trains with me uh, once a year for the last five years. The guy from Australia? Yeah. Yeah. And all the stuff that I'm working on. I try on him. Like it does. And so Dave just spent a lot of time down here doing battle stance stuff and what would go with this new mace. But, you know, Dave was actually the first person to ever get certified in steel mace flow level one because he came down and I was just developing the stuff, but he always happens to come down right as I'm uh, unleashing something. Oh, really? Yeah. Speaking of Australia, we'll be up there in November. Okay. Down under. Are you uh, going to be anywhere in U USA doing certifications? Um, I've kind of taken the year off. I did one on my birthday, but I, I do not plan to teach anything other than one-on-one -on -one certifications. I have thoroughly missed watching my students develop over time rather than in a big rush, 20 people two days start to finish is an awesome thing. It's so fun to be part of. It is so cool to be on stage, but I'm full. I'm somebody else can do that. Yeah. And, and I would love to work with somebody one-on-one. -on -one. How do people, how do people work with you one-on-one? -on -one? Well, you need a major credit card. Okay. <laughs> do you take cash? I'll take, take Bitcoin. How how about weed? Big bags of weed. Actually, um, I've uh, uh, I smoke two bowls a day now, which is a tremendous amount less than I've smoked previously. Okay. I was smoking a ton, so I've smoked a lot less. I would not take payment in weed for the first time ever. <laughs> um, and I just said that uh, you need a credit card because I'm not cheap. Yeah. And, um, but I have a couple of programs, ensemble.com. If you want to get with me one on one, I have a couple of slots. It's not something necessarily I push or try and advertise every now and then. I don't think you've seen an advertisement from me no. in a year. 
Not really, uh, no. Maybe, maybe six or seven months, but you'd have to really look out for it. Uh, but there are people who want to work with me, and if they talk to me, I'll, I'll tell them where to go. Ensemble and, uh, is uh, going to be a live one-on-one, -on -one, or is that? Yeah, so the ensemble deal is um, I did have a guy come into town, and I got to train with him one-on-one. -on -one. We worked out at the Onnit Academy, which is if anybody wants to uh, get together in Austin, Texas at the Onnit Academy, I'm happy to serve. And uh, the this is funny. When I only have international students right now, all year. I don't from, have one student from the U.S. On purpose, or did this just happen? Just worked out like this, man. All right. I have no <laughs> Whatever. clue. Yeah, I have no Where clue. Where are they from? Like Israel, Turkey, Jordan. Wow. Um, Istanbul, uh, Venezuela. Not one. Huh. Not one from the States. This is what happens when you give your students the power. Years ago, I got the best morally sound steel mace coaches I could. And we created a team. And slowly I took the spotlight off of myself and shined it on them. So chances are, if you're in the United States, there are these seven to eight amazing steel mace flow educators who are doing all of the work. My Good buddy, John Wolf, we're talking. He's like, Leo, I love what you did. Love all the stuff you did. And then he goes, do you know how much money you would have if you didn't make those coaches? You'd have seven times the money. I don't know how happy I would be. Yeah, with seven times the amount of work, which means less time away from. Can't do seven times the amount of work. I'm only one person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Can't do it. Right. And like I said years ago, creating and educating people in a practice that has helped me is the best thing I've ever done. Why would I keep that to myself? And so I have these other amazing people creating with for the right reason. Uh, they're doing it because it helped them. And they're just passing it on. And so that's why I figure I don't have too many American students or any American students that I train one on one. Yeah, that is so you, wild, though. To to recap, who those guys are? You got Jamie Pinto, Jeffrey mm -hmm. Oaks. So yep. Pinto is in Pennsylvania, near near yep. the Jersey border. Uh huh. Uh, Jeffrey Oaks is mm -hmm. where's he? Jeffrey New Oaks York. is by Detroit, Ann Harbor. Oh yes, right. You uh, have. The two Canadians, uh, Dyer of a Fitness Junkie, Kristen, and Zach, Zachary Yank. You have in California, Nate the Great. Uh, in Brazil, you have uh, Gotta Pivot. Gotta Pivot, right. And then we have... Or is Gotta Pivot Nate? There's gotta pivot and then gotta no oh yeah yeah that's right gotta pivot and gotta sorry it's having a, a woman I'm having yeah I'm having a, a moment yeah, I, I'm here where I can't too. think of her name I follow her I follow her and it's a unique name I can't think of it uh, and then well I've got several yes. out there and, and forgive me guys for not 
jumping out with your names immediately. Yeah. Brandon Meatbomb, who's also right. in yes. New Jersey, the Gypsy. Uh, I have a I have a list here of people. Timmy in Timmy the Intertrainer in Belgium. Ah, uh, yes. And is it God of Flow? God of Flow, that's it. God of Flow, that's who it is. God of God of Flow SMF, which she I don't just going by her Instagram. What a lifestyle she's got going on horseback riding and yeah on the beach and just like what, what is she, she living in Utopia or something? Yeah, something well, like, she's she's Brazilian. Yeah, Giselle. Right, there it is. Thank God, uh, Giselle uh, Brazilian. She spends time in Brazil. Uh, also lives in Las Vegas and oh. it has her gym is right across the street from the new Raiders stadium in Las Vegas. Oh, no kidding. It's so cool. It's like built like crooked her building. It looks yeah. like it's like angled, but it's, yeah, it's so, really? so cool. Yeah. And um, actually I have a couple more coaches in mind um, who I think will make uh, still makes flow educator relatively soon. So these are all for everybody listening. These are coaches that can actually certify you. You could work one on one with them and get a steel mace flow certification. Whereas, like I'm a level one coach, but I can't certify you. But I could teach you steel mace flow uh, the way I learned it. Um, but that's the difference. And then steel mace flow two is only taught by you. Uh, actually, that is taught by Jeffrey Oaks and Jamie Pinto who are the head of That's our right. level two education system. And um, yeah, I don't, I do the testing, some of the testing for level two, but I let the boys have at it. That's yeah. uh, I find that if people get to work on a, a program the way they want to, an employee, if you let an employee run it the way they want to, They'll probably do a lot better job than doing it the way you want to. So I love there should that. be yeah. some there should be some freedom in in how you work as long as the job's getting done and you hold yourself to a, a high moral standard. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. The team. All right. So that's it. Uh we're gonna wrap it up. Leo, thank you. Uh everybody follow Leo on Instagram and um you can stay in touch with him about when this new mace comes out and um, just be ready for it. That's it, Leo. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, everybody. See you at the next one.